Welcome to the Collecting Heroes podcast. My name is JD. I am your host, the collector of collectors, if you will. And in this show, I interview podcast. Well, sorry, in this podcast, I interview people from around the world and talk about their massive collections and their fandom and their passion for the things that they collect. Today, I am leveling up the podcast with my new guest. His name is Lithium. He is a Nintendo collector and he has an absolutely massive, wonderful collection located in Canada. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being on the show, Lithium. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, Nintendo fans and collectors. That's like my catchphrase, so I'm going to open with that. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm really happy to have you on the show. Uh, As I mentioned, you have a huge collection. I saw this through your YouTube channel, which I believe you've been running for like 12 years now. It's quite quite the feat for, for a YouTube it's channel. It's a long to be time, that. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is a long time. I, I don't think, uh, I mean, when you look at a lot of channels, they go, you know, for a few years and then they die off. You're probably in the very small percentage of, of YouTube channels that have managed to go for that long and amass a following. But I came across your YouTube video, which is your 2020 room tour, which was almost at 2 million views, actually. I think last checked, it was over 1.9 million views. Uh, which is crazy considering that the video actually goes for almost four hours took me a couple of watches to to go through but you have a massive massive nintendo collection at your place um tell me a little bit about your collection describe it just briefly for people listening to the podcast so they can get a bit of a a sense of how large the space that you have is I'm really fortunate in Canada. I have a basement. My wife does not want to use the basement at all. So she gave me the entire space. Nice. So I've converted almost all of it now into the Nintendo room, which is like, I want to call it a man cave, but some people might call this like a boy den. Like, I'm not sure what you want to refer to it as. I like to call them a fan cave, actually. Fan cave's a great name. Yeah, mine's the Bat Cave, obviously, because of my Batman collection. But I I think I'd probably refer to them as fan caves. That's a better name, for sure. So it's... It's basically everything, but only Nintendo related for the most part, but it's not just games. I got into the console variations, the different colors, the controllers, figurines, posters, Nintendo Power magazines, all of it. Basically, I started collecting 15 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that. Like you said, when the channel started, I really got into it. Okay. Well, I mean, that was, uh, I guess, going to be one of my my first questions to you as well. Um, How did you get into Nintendo? Essentially, I grew up with Sega Genesis, and my friends had Nintendo. We couldn't afford both consoles. But my cousins had Nintendo, and I would go to their house, and it was a fantastic time playing, like, N64 in 1996. Yeah. And then my best friend had the Super Nintendo and the original NES. So every time I went over there, I wanted to play Mario, because mm-hmm. whenever we came to my house, we played Sonic. And then I saved up birthday money, and in 1998, I finally bought an N64, kept most of the games from my childhood, and then really it picked off with collecting when I went to university. There was a man selling games at like the community center and he has Super Nintendo. So I eventually got a Super Nintendo and I started buying games that I missed out on in my childhood. And nice. then it just kind of went from there. I that's I guess that's one of the things about collecting, right? Um, there's this nostalgia from when you're you're like when you're a child, obviously playing those games. But for you, you were able to go back and collect some of the games that you didn't get to play when you were younger that you might have seen and gone, that looks like a fantastic game. I'd love to play that. And then years later, you go back and revisit that. It's like reliving your childhood over, over again. Yep. And then sharing that with like my friends and family was huge too. So it just kept kind of going. 
And so when would you say you went from a general collector? Cause I know you said when you bought that stuff, um, when would you say you went from a general collector with a few things, you know, recapturing your childhood to essentially a super collector with, with the massive amount of things that you've got now? When did you sort of realize it was starting to become a, a massive passion? Uh, when my, when I was in university, I was living on campus, but then on, on summers I'd have to come home. So my parents went like, are you opening a game store? What's the goal here? <laughs> Especially, you know, 12 years ago, deals were really common. I could find deals pretty frequently online or on Kijiji or garage sales. Okay. So eventually when I had, you know, a few shelves worth, I wanted to share what I had on YouTube because I saw other people's collections. Yeah. And once I started sharing like what I had, I eventually started collecting tips 101, which was like 101 videos, mm -hmm. which was kind of like more of a passion project just to share like how I started collecting things so inexpensive. You find a Super Nintendo with 20 games for $100, keep what you want, sell the rest, keep it growing, keep building on a budget, basically trying to break even. So like I was able to still break even throughout all of this, which is insane that the collection's grown this big. Yeah. But I think it was like second year university roughly 10 years ago where it was big enough where it's like i kind of need a room dedicated to this and the basement's <laughs> the best place so it started at my parents basement then we got a townhouse yeah so it was in that basement now we have a full house and now it's in this one and the channel just kind of keeps perpetuating the growth um i don't necessarily want it to get any bigger and i definitely don't want anything not in the basement like it it, it goes in the basement yeah nothing on our main floor is nintendo Nothing I saw in that in your video. You mentioned that actually. You said everything stays downstairs. Like there's so if someone walks into your house, they have no idea you're a Nintendo collector. Like if if they if Nintendo was never mentioned while they were in your house, they would never know. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm wearing Nintendo gear for the podcast. So you yeah. can tell that way. Yeah. But I did have friends throughout university that we graduated, and they would come to my place for four or five years. They had no clue. Didn't know about the channel, didn't know about the basement. And then finally, like, oh, like, let's play some games. And they come downstairs and they go, what, what is this? Like, you've been hiding this from me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I do this. <laughs> this is like my side project, my side hustle, my fun space to escape to. So if we didn't share video games in common, it never came up. But if we, obviously, like, my best friend, we're both in video games. He's known the whole time. And your upstairs area, like, does your wife get to sort of control that space? Like, does she have her own collection of, of something else that she has up there? I mean, I've spoken to another, um, you know, other, other collectors and some of them have their partners have their own collections different to theirs. Does she have something like that? First of all, it's kind of interesting. She grew up on Nintendo, handheld yeah. mostly. So the Pokemon games are actually almost all hers. So, like, the Pokemon wall that I have in the Nintendo room is mostly her stuff. Okay. So, like, she was into the similar thing. We're very lucky that we're both similar nationality, similar interests, similar sports interests. That's kind of why we got together so much. But awesome. she collects carousel horses from, like, Hallmark, which is, like, on a Christmas tree. You put a horse up on the tree that looks like it's from a carousel. So yeah, she's yeah. got a lot of those. My dad collected hockey cards. He's got fifty or 60,000 hockey cards. And then my father-in-law collects coins. So it's kind of, we're all kind of collecting something. Would you say their collections affected yours at all or anything like that? There was no inspiration. It was just, it was just your love for Nintendo that really sparked what you're doing. Never thought of this, but my dad would take me to hockey card conventions and then they would sell Pokemon cards. So, you know, I'm there with him for four or five hours sometimes and he mm -hmm. would buy me a pack of Pokemon cards and I would stare at these same cards for like the entire time, basically. 
So maybe with like kind of collecting in Pokemon, that might have got me the bug. Always watching my dad with his binders of hockey cards and organizing them. I'm sure that's what kind of started it out too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I can see how that, that would happen. I myself, when I was younger, I used to have uh, basketball cards. Um, so I, I collected a lot of NBA cards back in the 90s, back in, you know, especially the Jordan era. It was like the hype time that rookie uh, card yeah i i don't have one of those unfortunately but i know that back then that was really the height of that collecting craze as far as cards went and that everything had cards you know like they had uh, i remember they had ren and stimpy cards i uh they've got batman i've still got batman cards from the different movies as pogs, well came out there. everything yeah. yeah pogs yeah 100 like all that stuff um so yeah i can i completely see how my collecting of that probably also affected my own um, collecting with Batman and and uh, you know for your wife obviously with Pokemon it even it's even in the tagline isn't it got to catch them all right like <laughs> yep I yeah. usually close my videos with say like go collect them all as a nod to that as well and my wife's been in some videos with me we're never on camera but she's yeah. been in a lot of Pokemon themed videos with me which is nice to share with her so the main floor. Um, I designed the space, we renovated the main floor and everything, but it's yeah. very much like, she loves horses, so it's more like, more horses and pictures of horses up there, and like, it's okay. more her space for sure. Perfect, perfect. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's it's funny to think that someone can come into your house and have no idea, obviously, when they walk in uh, of your passion, other than if you were like wearing a Nintendo hat like you are now or something. There's another part of actually uh, your collection, I noticed, the Amiibos. This is something I'm not really familiar with, and I think it's great when I look at other people's collections to sort of learn about new things. Explain to me what what are Amiibos, because I know that they take up a big chunk of space in your collection as well. So they're small three to four inch figurines that had an NFC chip built into them. I think it's like a near field communication chip. Originally, yeah. they were designed to be kind of like downloadable content that's physical. So if you're playing Mario Kart, you could scan someone in and you get a different outfit basically on your character. So some games had like Super Smash Brothers, you can save a file to that amiibo. So it fights oh. and has stats saved onto it. So originally that was the concept, but a kind of over time, it just became a cool collectible that works with games, but it's not at all required anymore. So they might in Breath of the Wild for Zelda, when you scan an amiibo, it might just give an item drop. That's not at all required to beat the game, but just kind of helps out. So okay. these are usually about 13 to 15 US dollars each. There's 300 of them or so, and there's a few more worldwide. I have all the North American ones, and there's way too many of them. There's there's a lot. So would you say, in that case, would you say you have over 300? If you include sealed and opened, yes. I've opened most of them on the channel as a video, and then I have the Super Smash Brothers collection of roughly 80 to 90 of them still sealed and opened because I'm a collector, so I got them <laughs> twice, which yeah. I never want to do, but it happened. So, With the things that are collected in the packet, are they... I, I actually, I know you mentioned it in your um, room collection, you have some stuff in there, and you're like, I might use this to swap for other things for my collection later. Is that what you tend to do a lot of the times with your pieces? Is that how you sort of level up your collection, so to say, like by actually swapping those things for things that you might've missed out on a release earlier? I think that's a really good idea. That's one way of doing it, especially if you can buy the item at original price. And after five years, 10 years, maybe it's doubled or tripled if you're mm -hmm. lucky. Not everything in collecting does that at no, all. No, it doesn't. But Nintendo items have gone up 
significantly in the last three years. Yeah. Everything's gone up, but especially certain Nintendo items. So I feel like now collecting is a lot harder to find good deals. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't have these trade pieces, I wouldn't be getting the items now I'm missing that are worth hundreds of dollars at this point. I have most of the common stuff that I'm after. So now I need to use trade pieces to try and get those bigger items. No, I completely get that. I actually bought a Nintendo 64 console um, about, oof, I'm trying to remember how long ago it was now. It would have been maybe around 20, I want to say 2015 maybe, um, that I, I purchased that off eBay. And I remember that cost me, and I thought it was a bargain at the time, I think it cost me about $100 and that was for one of the ones in the translucent colors. It was uh, the blue one. Um, ice blue. Great yeah, color, ice blue, yeah. That's the one, yeah, uh, which I just thought looked really cool. I would love to get the gold one, actually, because I, I'm a Zelda fan myself. Mario and Zelda are my passions um, for Nintendo. And I, so, But when I saw the ice blue one, I think it was about $100. And at the time, I was like, that's a bargain. But even now when I look at them, they're... 100 would be a super bargain these days for for a lot of those consoles that'd be a great deal canadian dollars and Amer uh, canadian us australian are all kind of similar ballpark yeah. per dollar but yeah. now i think that would be double it would at least be 200 for those but yeah the fantastic see-through series of six consoles came out in north america but australia only got four of them i'm pretty sure yeah so i think i think there was only four of them um two of them didn't come out in australia for whatever reason but ice blue is great great cool translucent 90s color yeah yeah so i i actually would like love to set up my own little gaming um area one day in, in my room uh you know i'm just trying to sort of reorganize my space eventually um i'm actually already starting to think how i'm going to reorganize everything that you see in the background and and other walls that you can't you can't see off camera uh and then hopefully out of space always yeah, an issue exactly space is the enemy of, of collectors I, I, i've said that before and i'm actually thinking because i've got a built-in wardrobe of actually using the built-in as a little uh gaming nook inside there where i can open it up have the the tv and the consoles inside there uh so it'd be almost hidden which you actually had part of your collection room was hidden at one point i know i've seen recent videos you've expanded that but you used to have like a secret door where that went into a, a whole other a wall tell me about that it just worked out there was a storage room behind the nintendo room that was unfinished space but i just lined it in cabinets so shelving basically and then there was the bifold doors the closet doors so i just wanted to get rid of those and use that space to kind of have more storage mm -hmm. in the nintendo room and then once that happened i was like i think i can probably put hinges on this and i found the zelda effect tone sound effect that mounts and when the <laughs> i guess the magnets are broken from one another then you hear a sound effect of like the secret in zelda when you unlock something so once i had that in mind i knew i had to finish the project um, recently, though, I finished that space behind the Nintendo room, so now it's part of the Nintendo room, yeah. and it's more of the handheld section, Pokemon section, but I do still have a secret door into our furnace room. Yeah. The sound effect isn't set up on it, and it's not as exciting opening it up to a furnace room, because <laughs> there's no like Nintendo items behind it, so... I think I'll keep the secret door, but I might put the sound effect on something else. I'm not sure, like a fridge... I was thinking maybe, bathroom. like, if it's a furnace room, maybe you could do it for the... Um, like the actual the dungeon theme from mario brothers i think like bowser's castle like yeah that'd probably, be cool too 
you could you could do that maybe um i i that was one of my favorite things when i watched your video actually seeing that sound effect uh because as i said zelda is one of the things that i love um in nintendo speaking about that let's talk about your favorite game what is your favorite game on nintendo there's always so many to choose from my personal nostalgic filled favorite would be paper mario on the n64 I love the Paper Mario series. Recently, I'm more disappointed with it, but I think the game on the N64 was my favorite. It's not the best in the series. The Thousand Year Door on the GameCube is probably the best in the series. Okay. So I usually say that one. Uh, Ocarina of Time and Breath of the Wild are way up there for me as well. And then I'd probably say Super Mario Galaxy. Galaxy 2 are fantastic. Mario 64 as well. I know I'm saying Mario and Zelda the whole time, but really, like those influenced me the most. So I think those are my favorite. What about yourself? Do you have a favorite video game? Well, I mean, I would say probably my favorite video game of all time would have to be Super Mario Brothers, um, and probably that 64 version. Uh, like, even though I love, because I grew up as a kid uh, in the 80s, I remember getting the original NES system, and it came with the Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. The amount of hours I played on, on Mario Brothers, like, I could still probably complete it. Might take me a couple goes, but I probably still do it and know half the warps as well off you know, off the top of my head because I've done it so many times. Um, but yeah, the sixty four. I just remember playing that. Uh, one of my other favorite games outside of, like I said, uh, Zelda and Mario Brothers on the sixty four that I spent many many hours on was Banjo Kazooie. Actually, I absolutely loved that game. That was probably my one of my next favorites. I did have for a while in, in the late 90s after that came out i from one of the game stores i got the big cardboard cutout the standee of, of banjo kazooie and i had that in my bedroom for a while like when that, I had you're it. so lucky yeah, such a good game a little bachelor pad you know like that i had when i was first out of home um and that was in collectors the would be all over that right now banjo's huge again with yeah. being in smash brothers the release i was actually playing banjo kazooie earlier today because it came oh, cool. out on the nintendo switch online on the nintendo 64 like on the nintendo switch so you can play it and you can save a lot easier and like go back to your save state file kind of and it's a blast that's one of the best collectathon games ever yeah yeah i i absolutely loved it i i have no idea what happened to that cardboard um cut out these days the display um it was about probably about I, th I think it was like almost five foot tall like it was quite big took up quite a bit of space um worth a thousand dollars i don't know hundreds of dollars now probably <laughs> but i do still have somewhere in my poster collection i'd have to dig it out um one of the old zelda uh posters i think it's an ocarina of time poster as well that i picked up at the same time um which i've still got that from the 90s and it's it's put away at the moment i don't have that on display but i do eventually if i had more space in here i would probably want to get that framed and put it up like in the little gaming nook maybe i yes. might actually do that maybe i'll put it in the back of the uh in the cupboard area that's a really good idea even on the back of the door yeah 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 um and what about your favorite console because obviously you've got so many of them what would be your favorite nintendo console probably the nintendo 64 i it was the first one I had that's Nintendo. So I feel like so many people's answer is like their first system ever. It's so hard to fight with a nostalgia with mm -hmm. that. So I love the N64 and the GameCube as well. The GameCube is kind of a really hidden gem of game consoles. It didn't sell that well. It sold roughly 21 million. I guess the N64 sold like 33 million. 
and the Super Nintendo sold like 50, the NES was like 60. So Nintendo's yeah. like sales went down by 10 million almost every time. The GameCube was a bit of a flop for them when it came out. Yeah. Wasn't it? 21 million wasn't very good. The Xbox was way better. The PlayStation was doing way better. But it, yeah. it does have so many weird, unique, quirky games, and almost every series has a different take. So Zelda is Wind Waker, cell shaded, very friendly to younger players as well. Mm. Very emotive and a great game. I love Wind Waker. Uh, then there was even Mario with Super Mario Sunshine. So it was, you had this flood jetpack on your back and Pikmin was different. So GameCube has a lot of really unique experiences that have not ever come out. Most of them haven't been ported, although Sunshine was ported over to the Switch recently with Mario 3D All-Stars. But I really like the GameCube. Wii was great. Wii U was more of a flop. But the Switch right now, it's hard to argue with the Switch being probably Nintendo's best system. It does so much so well on the go and at home with friends on your own fantastic system if i had to pick one it'd be the n64 yeah yeah i, I would probably pick the n64 myself as well uh, like i said even though i had the original nes console from back in the day um the 64 just felt like so so much time spent on that you know through my late teens into my early 20s playing uh, all the various games on there uh Mario Kart was <laughs> probably one of my favorites on there as well. Um, but just so many, so many great games. I, I, I could just list them for hours, I'm sure, like with you. Talking about uh, the games, how many games do you have? In your video, you mentioned about 800. Is that, has that expanded since? I mean, because that was 2020, that video was done. So how is the, how's the game collection going for, <laughs> for all of the game cartridges now? So it's, it's, stalled a bit because most of the collecting now games are so expensive if you want to get older games so mm -hmm. a lot of it's switch games newer stuff i do have some sealed stuff that I've, i can find them for a good price i'm picking those up just kind of as investments and as trading pieces but i think probably about 850 of unique games and then there's probably about another 150 doubles or sealed games that i have just just because right now because i haven't been selling uh, with what's going on in the world, I don't want to really go to game swaps quite yet. I think that's going to open up really soon where I am. So I've been kind of collecting, collecting, and not getting rid of, not trading very much. So probably about 1,000 right now, okay. with 850 being unique. But there's a lot of collections with way more games. I just don't collect any of the filler games. So, like, I hate to say it, but all the sports games that come out every year, I don't really yeah. have any of those. Any of the games I don't want to play, I normally don't collect i only collect have the old golf games and things like that <laughs> yeah not really just the ones that are expensive rare or i really want to play them that's kind of what i was appealed to with collecting that, like mike tyson's punch out that's like one of those ones i do have it? that yeah yeah i do have that yeah <laughs> uh the nes for me was a little bit before my time so i think i only have like 60 or 70 nes games i focus more on super nintendo and then after that but the Actually, NES that, is almost too early for me. That completely just saying that even just brought back a memory for me. When I was a kid in, in high school, uh, like the very early high school, um, I remember going to, there was a, like a, a, it was like a retailer called Bing Lee here in Australia that does like white goods and TVs and things like that. And they used to have a TV set up with an NES and they had Mike Tyson's punch out. And we would go after school and sit there for a couple of hours just playing that, that game for, for hours. I, I just completely, I'd, I'd almost forgotten about that. I just, when I said it, just brought back that memory. And that's the great things about like these collections is the memories they bring back, like I say, from, from our childhoods. Um, 
when you're talking about like you know going uh collecting obviously online thanks ebay and all those places they're 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 great you can actually go and and find a lot of the things you want um where would you say is your favorite place to find pieces for the collection where where do you like to really go and and is it like a garage sales is it the game swap can like the conventions what's your favorite place Definitely in person. In person is so much better than the online experience. Mm-hmm. I know online your reach is bigger. You can find more stuff. I can import stuff if I need to. But there's something about a thrill of finding something in person that you weren't expecting. Yeah. So if I can find a local game store, depending on what city I'm in, I'll try and go to those and visit. Game swaps, when I go with my best friend, blast. Love those times. It's just mm-hmm. an event where people rent a table. And if they have a lot of stuff, then they sell and trade it and you can just go. It's like a flea market for video games. So I yeah. love going to those game conventions, basically something some similar to that. I really like those events as much as possible. There's a few used game places that were buy and sell places, not necessarily just video games yeah. that were fantastic in my hometown. But recently they've kind of dropped off because everyone knows now everything for Nintendo or video games or Sega. Everyone's kind of aware. Everyone knows the prices because you yeah. look at those completed sale, sales on the auctions on eBay. So it's really hard to find good deals now. Um, I use Facebook Marketplace. There's a place called Mercari or Kijiji, which is a website for searching for classified I've heard, ads. I've heard of that. I haven't used it, but I've heard about it before. I think Mercari is more in the States. Uh, Kijiji is more in Canada. So I use those. Every day I just do a quick search, you know, search Nintendo, see if something's local, see if I can pick something up. So that's that's where I find most of the things. I will buy from eBay, but I don't enjoy it. It's just yeah. you click a button, it shows up. It's not that same experience. Yeah, that's what true. You? True. Uh, for me, I mean, I love obviously going in store and seeing things in person. Uh, I do love conventions. We've got uh, in Australia, we've got a convention called Supernova, which is a fun place to go, and it's just a, it's like a little mini Comic Con um, here. And, you know, you can just go there and geek out with people and they've got heaps of stalls. It can be a little overwhelming sometimes being in huge crowds, obviously, of people, especially in today's conditions. But hopefully we'll go back to that. I did have tickets to actually go to San Diego Comic-Con for the first time in 2020. But unfortunately, that that trip got... Bad timing. (laughs) Yeah, bad timing. Um, But I do eventually want to go there and, and hopefully get to... Yeah, because uh, I, I always try and come out of those things with something, whether it be a couple of new comic books or whether it be like a, a new pop vinyl or whatever. Sometimes I go in, I only spend 20 bucks. Sometimes I go in, I spend 200 bucks. You know, like you, you never really know uh, until you're there. But I love that thrill of the hunt. You did say you have a hundred, you did 101 videos, was it? Like a 101 series um, yep. collecting. Do you have any tips for people who are thinking about starting a game collection? I think uh, watching that series would help. It's a little outdated. Yeah. It ended in 2014 because I started it so many years ago. But That's yeah, it's 101 videos. Now some of the tips are definitely outdated. But I think predominantly now, you need to make sure that you're comfortable with a budget, that you're not overreaching. I think too many people maybe look at my collection or someone else's collection and they want to like instantly have something similar to it. You're going to break the bank. So doing it slowly, have a process probably have a wanted list so you're a bit more focused Mm -hmm. when i started collecting i was into sega playstation nintendo atari everything for a few months and it was way too much and i just Mm -hmm. decided okay let's take a look take a step back what am i really passionate about 
what do I really want to collect and focus on one thing at a time? Mm -hmm. So I decided to focus on home consoles, mostly for Nintendo and their games. So handheld, I've only just started to get into collecting handhelds for Nintendo. So I think having a budget, having a purpose and a focus would help a lot. And then try to see if you can find other people that share the passion because going to a game swap with a friend is just to me such a blast doing it alone not as fun yeah no definitely uh, it's, it's great it's one of the reasons i do this podcast right is so that we can all share in the fandom of these things together you know and share in these passions and i think it, it is definitely a lot more fun when you have friends you can do that with or a community that can do that with uh so i won't keep you much longer um I, I did actually have I'd taken some notes here, and one of the things I wanted to mention on here, I don't know if you've seen this. Um, have you ever watched the IGN video about the lie that helped grow Nintendo? I, th I think that's something along those lines, the, the, the video title. Um, I don't think grow. I'm familiar with it, but I would love to hear it. It's, uh, it's about uh, a guy from Sweden called Uber Berkston. And there's, they've actually got in, I think it is in Sweden, they've got one of the national headquarters for all their European um, selling division. And it's all about the history of this guy and how he discovered Nintendo back in the day, back in the handheld, uh, like the game, like the game and watch, like those tiny handheld versions, um, when he came across them. And he literally was just, I don't want to go into too much details because you should go and watch it. It's interesting. But essentially, he had a little tiny electronics store and he went to Japan and essentially sold himself as someone who could be the sole distributor for Nintendo games, um, even though literally he just had this tiny little retail store. Um, and they believed him and said, yep, we'll give you the distribution rights for Sweden and all the Nordic regions. And then he grew that and... Uh, eventually into the European regions and became this massive distributor. Um, and he essentially helped to grow uh, Nintendo outside of Japan. So yeah, it's a really awesome story. It's IGN um, who did the who did the video. So search it up. It's something about the lie. I'll, I'll link it um, when, when, I, when I release this. I'll link the video. I'll send you the link as well so you can watch it. Um, That'd be great, but it's it's a really cool video and really interesting one that I recommend people go and watch if they if they're interested in the history of Nintendo. I'm always shocked that there's so many of those things from the past that's not documented very well because yeah. before the internet, like a guy could just do that. He could say like I'm a major distributor. Yeah. And there's no way to argue with him at that time. But yep. So that that's just after because I know Nintendo started with cards and games. And this grabbing toy they weren't into video games but, yeah so it started with the game and watch that's really interesting it's funny that you say that because the next part of this uh podcast is one that i've done with a couple of other collectors i've been trying to do like a little bit of a fun pop quiz uh test their knowledge um i mean in most cases you're going to know a lot of this information a lot more than i do i had to do a little bit of research to find some of this as well but i thought it'd be a fun way just like five questions um pop quiz challenge for you um, so let's go into that. You don't mind? You don't mind? Oh, no, not at all. Sounds great. Yeah, right. sounds fun. Let's do it. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right. First one, and you kind of already touched on this, so I definitely think you're going to know the answer to this. Uh, so question number one, Nintendo was founded in the 1800s. I think it was 1889, actually. Um, what did they first sell? 
Now, I really think it was playing cards, but I'm not exactly positive. Yes, I don't is. know if that was the first thing they sold. They might have sold something before that. I don't know how well I have that documented either, but playing cards and then they got into some other games and some they didn't get into electronics until uh, almost 100 years after their like initial inception. Yeah. Um, yeah, what else did they sell in the 1800s? I'm not exactly sure. Uh, well, playing cards was what was what I got from the information when I was searching it. Um, yeah, but that, that's what I'd heard of playing cards as well. I thought it was really interesting that they, they started with something as basic as that. But, you know, they are such a long-standing company. They're not someone who just came out in the 80s. They have this whole thing um, where they they started from the most basic games. Yeah, it's insane how a lot of people just associate Nintendo, obviously, with video games because that's their culture and that's what they are today. Yep. But as soon as they start some other ideas or concepts, now they have a relationship with Lego. They just kind of remind people, like, we're in the entertainment industry. We're not exclusive to video games. So if they eventually take more steps, like, outside of gaming, they have the Nintendo World opening in Japan. And I think in North America, that's happening, too. I so. want to go to that one in Universal, actually. I'm, I'm re That's really up there on my list. I love going to theme parks. And I've been to Universal in Japan, actually. Went there in 2019. Um, nice. And I'm jealous. I, I'm planning with my girlfriend to go back at some point, And I definitely want to do the Nintendo Land as part of that. I think I'm going to wait and go to the one when it comes out in North America, but I can't yeah. wait to see that. Yeah. Uh, so num question number two, what is the name of the Mario Brothers creators? Shigeru Miyamoto. Um, yeah. I don't think it was Gunpei Yokoi. I don't Starts think that the was team. him. The other one. Oh, Tanabe? Tenson? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. It's embarrassing here, but I know... That's um, right. Well, Shigeru Miyamoto is the one that most people definitely w would be familiar with if they know Nintendo. Uh, but the other one listed is Takashi Tezuku. I think Tezuku. I, okay. I, I hope I pronounced that correct. I do apologize to Takashi if he's listening, which he probably isn't, so that's okay. <laughs> and uh, quick uh, bonus points on this. How many copies worldwide have Mario Brothers sold? Wow. Uh huge question because there's so many remakes and i'm not sure how they count all those remakes and also the original game was usually packaged with the nintendo entertainment system which made its sales go way up higher yeah um wow if we're including like up. remakes yeah if we're including remakes and everything i would have to imagine it's close to 50 million or up nice you, you're pretty close actually 58 million copies sold is what it's listed at at the moment yeah, I think the NES sold around 62 million, 60 million worldwide, and almost yeah. everyone had a copy of that game with it. So that makes a lot of sense. That was a pretty good guess. I, I, I'll, I'll definitely I'll give you a point for that. Uh, number three, the best-selling console. What is the best? Of all time. Console? Yes. Okay, well, this is worth a whole other podcast and debate because the technical answer is the PlayStation 2 at 155. I'm sorry, uh, I, meant, oh, I meant Nintendo. Nintendo, like, then... Yeah. Uh, it's the DS, the handheld system, the DS, which if you're looking at home console, the Switch just passed the Wii. So I think they're both at like 101, 102 million. But handheld consoles, it's the Nintendo DS, which is exactly tied with the PlayStation 2, like 155 million units. What's interesting about that is the Nintendo DS passed the PlayStation 2. And at some point, Sony was like, we found more sales numbers <laughs> and then updated it. And then just to have like, they still have the best selling system they probably did have those numbers they just didn't release them so home console i think it's the switch now considering it's hybrid and handheld it would be the ds yeah no that's correct uh best-selling console i was thinking of home consoles and it is the switch 103 million 
sold since its launch in 2017. That's insane. And I expect Nintendo not to be done with this system for a few more years. They're going to have another edition, not just the OLED. It's probably going to eventually get to like 120, 130 million. That's that's crazy today, considering all the competition at yeah. PC, yeah. Sony, Xbox, everything. Yeah, it's a massive amount of competition out there. Uh, question number four, you're going very well so far. We're, we're almost there. What year was the first Game Boy released? Oh, I don't want to get this wrong. Game Boy? Because I just, <laughs> uh, Game Boy for me wasn't what I grew up with. But let me think. The NES was 85 slash 86. The Super Nintendo was 91. The Game Boy, I think, was just before the Super Nintendo. So if I had to guess, I'd guess like 1990, somewhere right around then. Um, 89 or 90, Game Boy, probably, something like that. Ding, ding, ding. It was 89 in Japan. And in 19, uh, it was later that year that they went to the North America um, and 1990 when it went through Europe and other countries. So you and were, were riding the money. Nice. I don't think uh, it had that many games at launch. A lot of Nintendo games only have like five like or Tetris six at launch. Or something, wasn't it? Tetris, yeah. Bundle it with Tetris. And Tetris has got to be one of the best-selling games across all platforms of all yeah, time. I love it has that. to be. I love Tetris. I remember... Yeah mario land one on the game boy it's still a mario game have you ever played the mario games on game boy no i i i'll admittedly i've probably picked up a game boy i could probably count on one hand the amount of times i've actually picked up and played a and game boy yeah giant gray brick um but i have <laughs> right here i'm just gonna grab it. so super mario land obviously was the first one that came out and the graphics to it are not very great i would say and then Super Mario Land 2 came out, and it is probably one of my favorite handheld games ever. So they both look really similar. I'm just holding them up. I know you can't see them on the podcast, but um, the graphics in the second one, they made it look a lot more basically almost like Super Mario World. And I was blown away that on the same system on the Game Boy, the first Mario game to the second Mario game, they looked absolutely nothing like each other. It's like Mario 1 to Mario 3 on the NES such a huge improvement on the same system when they figured out all the tricks and how to code on it and program so the game boy for me same thing i didn't grow up on it a lot but really fantastic you play those on a giant brick on the go i if if i was going to get a handheld i'd love to get like the uh 3ds um and one that i actually saw in your zelda wall which is part of your collection as well i do recommend people go and watch your videos and actually have a look at uh, at that um is that the there's a black, black and gold 3ds that you have um which i think just is gorgeous absolutely gorgeous um I've got, between worlds yeah that's what the game is for i actually saw yeah. one of those on marketplace today for a really good price and i was like oh like i already have it but i messaged <laughs> my buddy just being like it's in your town it's such a good deal consider getting it uh last question and i think well definitely i think you're four or four so far Speaking of Zelda, actually, it's funnily, funnily leading into that. Highest-selling Zelda game. Ooh. I should probably know this way faster. How would it not be Breath of the Wild? Because Breath of the Wild is both on the Wii U and the Switch, and when you combine those sales, I feel like it would do really well. The N64 just didn't have enough console units for Ocarina mm -hmm. of Time to like be mm -hmm. the number one. Twilight Princess, though, on the Wii is a compelling answer because it was on the GameCube and the Wii. A lot of people bought Twilight Princess. If I had to guess one... I think I'm going with Breath of the Wild. I think it's new, it's modern. Ding, a lot ding, of people bought it, but yeah, 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 definitely. It is Breath of the Wild. Twenty-three million copies sold. Um, and just, just 
you know, because you are, clearly you have a lot of knowledge, I'll let you know that uh, when I was looking at this list, it was, I'm fairly certain it was Twilight Princess was number two and that Ocarina of Time came in at number three. But it was a big gap between one and three because I think it was like 23 million for, for Breath of the Wild and I believe it was less than 7 million for Ocarina of Time. So like a big, huge gap there. It's kind of interesting how... I guess if there was 7 million you said for Ocarina of Time and they sold 33 million units, that's like one in five people had at the game. Mm -hmm. And it's almost the exact same thing for Breath of the Wild. It's 23 million out of 100 in 3 million. That's again, like one in five people own the game. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how that maintains the same, I guess, ratio. Yeah, I love how they they kept that whole gold, like I guess for the Triforce and everything like that, the gold coloring of everything. I've, I've actually got the Wii remote the special edition that they had for Skyward Sword. Nintendo, if you're listening, we really need a themed system for Zelda. There's no themed system yet. There's Joy-Cons for the Switch, yeah. but there's no themed system yet for the Switch, which is crazy to me. There's a Mario one, there's Pokemon ones, there's a lot of Monster Hunter ones, but there's nothing for Zelda other than Joy-Cons, which is kind of weird. Well, if anyone from Nintendo, anyone who knows someone from Nintendo is listening, let them know. I, I'm sure they probably know that there's probably some Zelda fans out there. And I, I guess with Breath of the Wild, because it is on Switch being so popular, I can only imagine it's a matter of time before they bring out a version. Hopefully. I think Breath of the Wild, a lot of the theming was blue and it didn't really go with the gold. So, uh -huh. But they haven't done a gold system yet for the Switch, which would be really nice with Breath of the Wild 2. Hopefully, maybe this year, later this year at the holidays. Oh, we'll cross our fingers and, and let's hope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love any sort of theme system. They, the value goes up way too fast too. If you miss out, you <laughs> miss out, which is kind of really, really a sad. Yeah. Lithium, look, you're perfect. Five of five. You've passed the test. I, I'm going to crown you the unofficial but very official Nintendo champion of the Collecting Heroes podcast uh, until the next Nintendo collector comes on and then maybe we'll have a little bit of rivalry going on there. But for now, it's definitely you. And I, I look, I love your collection. It is huge. It is massive. But it is beautiful. It is definitely you've set it up with your passion. We haven't even spoken about uh, the way you theme your room, like you've got your tables and everything like that, that look, you know, you've themed as the, as the joysticks, uh, like or the, um, uh, the joy pads. I mean, we, we could talk for hours, I'm sure about this, and maybe eventually I can have you back on the show and we can talk a bit more, but I really enjoyed having you on the show today. And I want to thank you very much, um, for your time before we do go though. Do you want to plug your socials to everyone and let them know where they can find you? Sure. On YouTube, just search Nintendo Collecting. Same thing on Instagram and uh, Facebook and Twitter. I think Twitter, it's at Collect Nintendo. I didn't get the actual Nintendo Collecting hashtag or at on Twitter. Yeah. So it's at Collect Nintendo. Otherwise, Nintendo Collecting is basically everywhere you can find me. It's an image of Mario that's old school and new school. It's kind of a compiled image in half. And really, just thank you so much for having me. Uh, passion with collecting with anything. I feel like you and I are collectors of different things and we can still have a lot in common and chat and still have a great time. So 100%. I hate when people get into arguments about like console wars and stuff like that. Like if you're a gamer, you're a friend of mine, you're a collector, we can have conversations. So thank uh, you I so mean, much. what's the point in arguing over it at the same time? Like, I mean, if, if someone loves some, something, let them love it, you know, like everyone should be free to have their own, you know, their own passions and the things that they love just because, you know, you love Nintendo more, you know, than someone loves PlayStation or like, so what? <laughs> like they can yeah, love think, PlayStation. Like that's fine. 
just follow your passions, have fun. Uh, really, if you can share it with a friend or a family member, like that makes it even better. Yeah. So that's our main theme maybe for this podcast. Yes. Follow your passions. If it doesn't hurt anyone, then why not? Exactly, exactly. All right. Thank you very much, Lithium. Enjoy the rest of your evening and wherever you are, listeners as well, enjoy the rest of your day, evening, and have a fantastic day. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you like the episode, please consider following or subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also join me on Instagram at Collecting Heroes, where you can see photos of the collections of the people that I'm talking to, as well as some of my own.